welcome to track number 11 of Labor to be Blessed. What a blessing. We are blessed again to have Pastor Prince Gunaratnam with us. Uh, pastor Prince Gunaratnam has been a pastor for about 50 years. And um, if the world had a hundred people, you tell me when you're ready. If the world had a hundred people, only five of them would be Americans. Only five. If the world had a hundred people, only five would be Americans. And 60 of them would be Asians. And 13 of them would be Africans. One, three. Yes. So Asia is a huge constituency. <laughs> and what happens in Asia is very important because that is where the souls really are. Yes. And when you are in one part of the world, you can easily have no idea of what is happening in another part of the world. And then you start to suffer from what we call inbreeding. Because your cows are all in the same place. And one gives birth to a child and the child marries the mother and gives birth to another cow from the son of the The son is now the brother. <laughs> so that's what gives right to a lot of diseases. Yes. Because you don't have things coming from outside. That's why when they want to um, uh, cross, they bring something from outside. It's, it's very important for um, you to have something coming from far away into what you are doing. There's a seed that comes from far and drops in. Very, very important. And you see, for instance, in the church in America, because they have so much, uh, apparently, money, and because America is white, it's like a continent, they get the feeling that the whole world is there. Because in that same country, they have mountains, they have deserts, they have lakes, they have rivers, they have cities, they have deserted places. So it's like everything in the world is there. And there's no need to travel anywhere to see anything, really. You know, high mountains, snowy peaks, everything. But if the world had 100 people, only five of them would be Americans. And gradually, you see that they hardly ever receive a seed from outside. Because they can't even believe that there's something anywhere else. And that leads to inbreeding. And that's how come they are falling and dying 
and being destroyed by homosexuality and um, what is it, gay marriage and perversions and the churches are going on demonstration demonstrating how we want to marry men to marry men hey pastors are demonstrating <laughs> for the rights it's fantastic yes but you see it comes from not having anything from outside ever so I thank God in my life and my ministry uh, I was blessed and privileged to have people from another world altogether very far from here it's far if you go to Malaysia you realize that it's not near long journey to come here or to go there to have from far that blessing it's a blessing that God gave to me and then it's a blessing that God gave me a father from far away who took who took an interest in me the first time I went to Malaysia the pastor picked me I think it was pastor uh, is it Peter? I think it's Peter. I asked him, do you know why I was invited here? <laughs> and I, I didn't think he was going to go and tell Pastor Prince. <laughs> it was just between me and him. <laughs> yes, and I didn't expect him to go and say it, but he went to say it. <laughs> that. The, the man was asking why you invited him. <laughs> because I didn't know why. Yes. And all through the years, there are many times I've also wondered why he has also taken an interest in uh, me from far away in my small Ghana. Hallelujah. When Yongicho was invited here, they didn't want to come. He told the people, he can hold the conference. He can do it. He told them I've been there. That's what made them, that's what made them uh, be comforted and comfortable to come before they eventually came. Yeah. So it's been a blessing. And uh, I believe that he's a father to us also. Amen. He's 72 years. See, he looks young, but he's 72 years old. He can give birth to me. My mother is in her 70s. He's also in his 70s. So, yeah. So, it's, 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 it's God is showing us the ages we must get into. Amen. 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 And continue ministering. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. And yesterday, he was telling us to break out of all limitations. And yesterday, for the first time, we saw the difference between when Samuel was anointing Saul and when he was anointing David. It was terrible, I tell you. (laughs) I felt very, very sorry for David yesterday. Like nobody liked David. Everybody, including his enemies, 
all found him an unfortunate and wanted misfit reject even Goliath was shocked (laughs) so God is doing that for you too whoever has rejected you is going to live to be surprised at how you turn out. Yes. They will read about you. They will be secretly checking the internet to see what you are doing. They will go on Facebook and they will be typing your name. Then when they see then <laughs> when they type your name they will see that ah, is it you? There are so many pictures and videos and fans and followers and likes. That will be your testimony. So we are really blessed. And I believe that today we are also going to be blessed. Amen. So are we going to watch a video first? Do you want to move this? Somebody help me. Just put it down there. Amen. I believe we are watching the dedication of the... Now listen, by the way, before you uh, Malaysia is an Islamic country. You are not allowed to witness. When you witness to somebody, it's against the law to change somebody's religion. And when you are having a crusade or a program, you have to write, announce, Christians only. Yes. Christians only. Yes. Is the first place. No, just leave the blinds. It's fine. It's fine. Hello? Okay. It's the first place that I, I had to learn how to preach when there are Muslims present. I never even mentioned the word Muslim or Islam, even generally in my, in my life now. I don't mention it. I just call them our brothers. They are our brothers. Because they are our brothers. We are all created by God. We are brothers in that regard. We are brothers. Beautiful. Somebody is being blessed. Maybe God is going to use you in an Islamic country. Maybe you may be sent somewhere. But this is a, so that's why his church is not just a church. It's not just a church building. It's a church with the government is Islamic. When you arrive at the airport, they are all covered their head. They are waiting for you. You put it there. Alakubala, you put it and you collect your whatever. Yes. Fully. So for such an environment, then you are able to force the church to be there. You understand? It's a, it's a wonder and it's a blessing. That anointing is coming over your life. All right, so let's, let's, let's watch the program. Beautiful. Lights, please, lights.
and we are all together here to dedicate this beautiful edifice to the work of Jesus Christ. And by dedicating this beautiful sanctuary to Jesus Christ, he may enlarge the plan of salvation and power of salvation through this church all the more around the world. Like as the senior pastor, and on behalf of the pastors and congregation of Calvary Church, we'd like to dedicate ourselves. It's more than just dedicating a building, but dedicating ourselves, saying to the Lord, Lord, I give myself to you. We would like to dedicate ourselves, all of the facilities that has been provided in the building of Calvary Convention Center. We recognize our, our holy and high calling as a church to honor and to glorify him from whom all blessings flow. Can you say an amen? Amen. amen. Now, as a congregation, would you read this part? We, we the leaders and the congregation of Calvary Church, confess God to be our Heavenly Father, the Lord Jesus Christ, as our Lord and Savior, and believe in the empowering of the Holy Spirit, the promise of God for every believer. Therefore, we will proclaim the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ to all nations and disciples those who believe in obedience to the great commission. We will be faithful followers of the Lord Jesus Christ and look forward to this eminent return as our coming King of Kings and Lord of Lords. Tonight we all dedicated this wonderful building to your ministry, not any human ministry. To your ministry, we've dedicated this building. Fill the building with the Holy Spirit and perform the great miracle that you promised to give to us. The power of the Holy Spirit and the blessing of Jesus Christ, the love of God may be always inundated in this church. Amen. Calvary Church would like to acknowledge some special guests who have made this occasion even more memorable by their presence. These are representatives of the Malaysian government leaders, international Christian leaders, national Malaysian Christian leaders. Our CCC is a dream that God gave up, gave the senior pastor and all of us supported that dream. The, the Calvary Convention is not more than just this building. The Calvary Convention is impacting nations. The Calvary Convention is transforming lives. Calvary Church is more than what you see right here today. But God has brought you to this place to use you. I'm very serious. I'm absolutely, totally serious. You're just on the edge of something beyond, beyond your comprehension. The purpose of this presentation is to share the Christmas story 
the birth of Jesus Christ that offers hope. I thank you for every testimony and the various wonderful miracles that have been taken place through the ministries of this church. And Father, tonight we dedicate ourselves afresh and anew. united us can you say a big amen the joint NECF CCM organizing committee of this Malaysia Jubilee prayer celebration would like to thank Reverend Dr. Tan Sri Prince Gunaratnam and Calvary Church for the use of this their marvelous facility I'm, I'm greatly humbled and honored to serve as the chairman of the Pentecostal Conference since August 2010. Greatly humble for Malaysia to be the host country for the 23rd Pentecostal Conference and for the Calvary Convention Center to be the venue for this wonderful, wonderful conference. I look at this beautiful building and I know definitely God must be good. Uh, the God who can build this kind of building must be a good God. Must be a good God. I'm here to tell you your vision is not dead. Your mission is not dead. Your provision is not dead. God is not done with you. It still lives. It still lives. Since coming to CCC and accepting God as my Lord and Savior, my life has 
changed tremendously where I've actually found peace and happiness with God. I love coming to CCC because I like Alpha and Alpha, it's very fun. Calvary Church is a fantastic church. I enjoy the praise and worship at CCC. I find more peace and joy and I praise God and I'm happy with God. What I'm really excited about CCC is the leaders really take time to care for us and the friends here are very, very encouraging. We chose CCC is because we found a connection here. A connection, we got a spiritual connection. And this is the place we will call it home. Praise the Lord. I not only get to meet newcomers and welcome them to Calvary Church, but the privilege to pray for them as well. Especially for the, those who do not know Christ and lead them to the salvation prayer. Praise God. I've been worshipping at CCC. God has blessed me many things in many ways. I like to go to CCC because I can learn more about God here and I can go Royal Ranger and CW. I enjoy coming here in CCC because the, I learn a lot of God's Word and then the people here are friendly and caring. Okay, since coming to CCC, I've been very, very blessed. Oh, especially attending the SCG class. Every time I come to CCC, it's a joyful experience. Calvary Church has been such a great blessing to me. I pray that CCC and Calvary Church will continue to be a blessing to this nation and throughout the world. CCC has provided us more opportunities to serve God. Through our families, life groups and the church. Blessed, Blessed anniversary! Come and rise up. Sing with me how great is our God. And all will see how great, how great is our God. How great is our God. How great.
Just worship Him. Let your voice be heard. Worship. Praise Him. Praise Him. Praise Him. Hallelujah. Hallelujah, Jesus. Just worship. Just worship. Praise Him. Say, Lord, I praise You. You are a mighty God. You're a great God. Oh, hallelujah, Jesus. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Try to praise. Praise Him. Praise Him, congregation. Just worship. Thank you. Thank you, Jesus. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Hallelujah. 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 Hallelujah, hallelujah. Lord, we praise you. We bless you. Amen, 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 amen. No, I don't want you to sing. I want you to use words. Yeah, use words to praise him. Don't sing. Just use words. Praise him. Say, say things that glorify God. God, you're a mighty God. God, you reign over the earth. You're a good God. You're a faithful God. Come on, confess. Confess before the Lord how great He is. How mighty He is. Amen. Amen. Father, you're going to do some marvelous things. You're going to bring your peace, your joy, your hope, Father. This is a special day that you have made. Your name is going to be glorified. You're going to cause your joy, your peace to reign over us, Lord. You're going to break barriers, hindrances, Lord. You're going to bring healing into our minds. Oh, blessed be the name of the Lord. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Thank you, Jesus, for what you're going to do. Your word is going to be light unto us, Lord. For that we give you praise. For that we give you praise. In Jesus' wonderful name. In Jesus' wonderful name. In Jesus' wonderful name. Amen. Amen. We serve a good God, don't we? The Lord bless you. You may be seated. How many of you know that God loves to hear your voice praising Him? Not just, just singing somebody else's song, but from your own heart, from your own, from within you to give him his, your praises and your thanksgiving to him. Amen. Amen. You know, listening to Bishop Dag make his comments on my message yesterday, and as I sat and listened to it, he was making it better than I did. <laughs> He's a good preacher, isn't he? Yes. 
good teacher of the word. I'm amazed at the number of books that he writes. I don't know how he can do it. It's, it's a miracle. Yes, it's a miracle when he has such tremendous burden for going and taking the gospel all over the world and, and do his worldwide rallies, evangelistic rallies, and at the same time also to write his books. I'm amazed. <laughs> yes, I'm amazed. You know, I, I met him, but like, like he said, about at least 20 years ago, and it was uh, in Jerusalem, I think, when you, when you first came to meet with the CGI. And somehow, as he walked in to present himself and share about his ministry, something happened at that moment when I saw him walk in. And I just felt that that was someone the Lord wanted me to relate with. Yeah, it was just like that. It wasn't, it wasn't anything human on my own because I meet and fellowship with a lot of people. But somehow the Lord just dropped that in my heart and, and he wanted Cho to come to Ghana because he felt Ghana needed to be blessed by Dr. Cho's ministry. And, and so when there was this uncertainty and, and then when I saw him and when the Lord dropped that in my heart, I turned to Dr. Cho. I said, Dr. Cho, I think we should... Seriously consider coming to Ghana. <laughs> and because of my long-time friendship with Dr. Cho way back when, in the very beginning when we started CGI, I was part and parcel, you know, alongside with him. So we thank the Lord for Bishop Dax's ministry and... And all these years, it has proven that God has really used him and made him a tremendous blessing. And you know, if there's anybody that needs support of prayer to surround him, to keep him, because it's men like this, the enemy comes to attack. See, Physically, sometimes. Jealousy. Envy. And so you need to surround him as, as your pastor. That God will just keep him and, and protect him. And I know, I know you would. I know you would. I don't know whether you... Is it spiritual enough if I tell you a humorous story? Will, will I kill? Will I kill the spirit? <laughs> well, this this is a very interesting one, a very humorous and, and interesting one. A wife kept telling and reminding her husband not to go to the pub. You know what a pub is? Yes. To the bar. A wife kept telling and reminding her husband not to go to the pub on the way home from work. And as he was, because he passed by the pub on his way home. And, uh, and every time he passes by, he failed 
to listen to his wife, and he somehow gets tempted, and he, and he goes in. So she advised him and said, next time on your way home when you get close to the pub, say this, get thee behind me, Satan. <laughs> and he tried that for a little while. As he walked by and he got real, real close and he felt the temptation, he says, Satan, get thee behind me. And he succeeded for a while. And then what happened was she found out that it wasn't too long. He was still going back to the pub. So she said to him, I thought I told you to say, get thee behind me, Satan, before you get to the pub. He said, I did. And you know what? When I got close and I said, get thee behind me, Satan, Satan pushed me in. Now, don't try that in your life now. <laughs> A mother was baking her pancakes, and she had two little boys, you know. And as she was making those pancakes, those two little boys had their plates and they were pushing their plates closer and closer because they wanted to have the first pancake the mother was making. And the mother saw these two little boys of hers trying to get, you know, the first pancake. And so she, she thought to herself, well, I think it's a good time to teach a moral lesson to my two little boys. So she said, you know, if Jesus had a brother and the mother was making these pancakes, you know what Jesus would do? The two little boys looked up at the mother and said, no, we, we, don't, we don't know what Jesus, what Jesus would do. Well, this is what Jesus would do. Jesus would turn to his brother and said, you go first. So the two little boys looked at each other and the elder boy looked at the younger boy and said, you be Jesus. How, how many try to do that? <laughs> you want somebody else to be the Jesus. And <laughs> I'm glad you can laugh. Spiritual people can laugh too and have a good time. Amen. Okay, that's enough. <laughs> my, my thoughts with you, and really, I, I really didn't come so much as to preach, but just felt that, you know, I, need, I wanted to share with you how God, like I did yesterday. And I want to ask or concentrate my thoughts on two basic questions. Question number one is, how does God work? What, what's his method of working? 
Is that a good question? And then the second question which I'm posing and hopefully share with you as from my experience, when does God work? When, when does God show up? When we know this is what he wants us to do, when does he show up? So I'm going to try and share and try to answer these two questions. The first one is how? What's his method? What's God's method in doing the work of God? Listen very carefully. His method is people. He is looking for people that he can put his spirit, reveal his will. He wants you. God is in search for people who are willing to respond to his call. And Jesus says this when he walked upon the face of the earth. He says, the harvest is great. But what? See? And he is searching for laborers. He's looking. So his method is people, a person. It doesn't matter the agenda. He can use women. He can use men. But he's looking for men and women who are willing to lay down their life, give up themselves, and take on the cross, and like he says, to follow him. If you turn to Ezekiel chapter 22 and verse 30, it says like this, I looked for someone, God speaking here, I looked for someone who might rebuild the walls of righteousness that guards the land. I looked for someone who might rebuild the wall of righteousness that guards the land. I search for someone to stand in the gap in the wall so I would I wouldn't have to destroy the land but come on I found none. I, I don't think none in the sense that there was nobody. There, was, there were people there, but none was willing to lay down their life. Yeah, they call them to the party. They'll come. But to do the will of God... To submit to God's plan and to God's person, God's purposes. That's a different story altogether. See? God says, I, I looked, I search, I trust. He found you. Did you hear me? I said, I trust he found you. I trust you're here because you've been found. And if you're here just because others are here, ask the Lord, Lord, here am I. Send me, Lord. 
So his method is you, it's me. He could have used angels, but that was not his choice. His choice is you. You are God's choice. Oh, I don't think you heard me. I said, you are God's choice. And if you are God's choice, then you will succeed doing what God wants you to do. Because it is not by might. It's not what you want. When you do what God's want, you succeed. Oh, pastor, I want to be a successful pastor. Find the will of God and do it. Pastor, I want to be successful. Pastor, how? What must I do? What must I know to be successful? Know God's will and do it. You'll succeed. You cannot but succeed. So he is looking for people that he wants to use. And we are living in days that the coming of the Lord is sooner than you think. And he's looking for people who are willing to submit to his authority, to his will, to his purpose, to his calling. And his purpose and calling is that none should be lost. It is the will of God that nobody should perish. This is God's will. And if you know you're out there and everything you do is to ensure souls are being saved, you're going to succeed because you're doing what God wants you to do. Sometimes we think, you know, oh, God only will use a selected few. No, he will use everyone who is willing. How many of you know he, he had more than just the 12 apostles or disciples? He had more than that. Did you know that? They were not the only ones Jesus called and used. Because if you, if you look into Luke chapter 10 and verse 1 and 2, you would find Luke chapter 10 verse 1 and 2. It says this. The Lord now chose how many? 72 others the Lord now chose 72 other disciples and what did he do he sent them ahead in pairs into the towns and places he planned to visit these were his instructions to them the harvest is great but the workers are few so pray to the Lord who is in charge of the harvest. Ask him. Isn't that simple enough? Understandable enough? Pray and ask. Pray and ask that he would send more workers. God's method is people. Amen. Amen. And these 72 Beside the 12 that he chose earlier, these 72 did exactly what the 12 did. 
Because you jump down with me in the same chapter. Look at verse 17. Luke chapter 10, verse 17. When the 72 disciples returned, they joyfully reported to him, Lord, even demons obeyed us when we use your name. Yes, he told them, I saw Satan fall from heaven like lightning. Wow. They were able to cast out demons. They prayed for the sick and they got healed. Miracles began to happen. God can use you. He's looking. He's searching for somebody who would say, God, not my will, but thine be done. Send me, God, wherever it is. And like I said yesterday, it doesn't mean it's going to be smooth sailing just because you say yes to God. But as you lean and depend and allow the Holy Spirit to empower you, you will succeed in a marvelous and in a great way. Amen. Read all over in the New Testament. You find a man called Stephen. An evangelist. A lady called Tabitha. Another by the name of Agabus, a prophet. God is looking for people like this that he can use. And it's up to you as you sit there to say, God, I didn't just come to sit to hear and listen and learn and learn and learn and just go back and live my whole life. But I've come, God. That when I leave this place, when I go back to wherever I am ministering or wherever you're placing me, I will go back, Lord, to do the work that you've called me to do. You have chosen me. The only way that city or that that community of yours is going to be saved, it's through people like you given to the Lord for his honor and for his glory. Hallelujah. You know, God called me when I was 12 years old. I come from a Christian background. My parents were Pentecostal, so I grew up in a Pentecostal home. So Pentecost wasn't strange to me at all. Speaking in tongues and being filled with the Holy Spirit was not a strange thing as a little boy growing up. But I still remember at the age of 12, listening to the gospel, and when an altar call was made, I still remember getting, getting up from my seat and walking down and asking Jesus Christ to be my personal Lord and Savior. How many of you know God doesn't have grandchildren? Huh? He only has children. He only has children. He doesn't have grandchildren. He only has children. Every child is a confession of their faith in the Lord, Jesus Christ. And also at the age of 12, I was 12 years old, but in my 13th year. You know what that means? By year, I was 13, but by birth, by date of birth, I was still 12. I was also filled with the Holy Spirit. And very amazingly, I was filled in a service that was by a preacher from Hong Kong. And he spoke in Chinese, but he was interpreted. And it was in that setup, that type of a service, I 
receive. And God used him in a very powerful way. And at the age of 12, I remember coming, receiving Jesus Christ. And in those days, after the service is over, what they would call a tearing meeting. Anybody old enough to know what that means? The tearing meeting. That means the service is over, the people got... It was an evangelistic service. Many got saved and all of that. Then others who want to stay behind for the baptism of the Holy Spirit. We call that tearing meetings. And that can go on till midnight. <laughs> and it was one of those tearing meetings. God filled me with the Holy Spirit. Hallelujah. He not only filled me with the Holy Spirit, but also called me into the ministry. It was a very remarkable experience I had when he filled me with the Holy Spirit. As I was seeking and praying and the Holy Spirit came upon me, I spoke in tongues and the next thing I knew, I was caught up in a vision. Twelve years old. And in that vision, I saw Jesus. And he came up and he had a book in his hand and he handed that book to me. And of course, I understood what the book was. And I understood why he gave me that book. Now, no words were spoken. You know, nobody needs to introduce. When you see Jesus in the vision, you don't, nobody needs to say, this is Jesus. When you see him, you know him. You know him. Nobody needs to introduce him. And so when I saw that, I knew immediately. And, and the, turning that book over to me was nothing more to say, I'm calling you, I'm giving you the, the Bible. Take the gospel. Of course, you know, I was joyful and thankful to God. My parents were also happy about it. And the next day, I had another vision. Same, you know, special meetings that was going on for a week. And this time, I was on a road. It was a very steep road. I, I saw myself on a road, very steep. And on this side, this end of the road, was a bright light that was shining. And I was on the low end. And seeing that brick, brick light on the other side, I said, I, I would like to see what's causing that big light. So I began to walk up on that road. And as I began to walk, it's in, in a vision. As I began to walk up on that road, there was a lot of pressure. You know, there was kind of, wasn't easy to climb, but I pursued it. And when I got to the top, those bright lights hit my eyes. And when I came out of the vision, I was literally blind. Yeah. But the blindness was not a blindness to fear. The blindness was not a bl blindness of despair or hopelessness. But it was a blindness that I seemingly like I was in a different environment where there was peace and joy. And I didn't even realize that my, I was led home by my mother. Brought back again to the service and I didn't realize that a day had already gone. And when I was brought back the following day, 
still blind for that whole day, still in that vision of brightness and enjoying the presence and the peace and the joy. I didn't know a whole day had gone on. In fact, when that happened to me, my mother thought, you know, being 12 years old, I was a very mischievous young. (laughs) And I loved mangoes. So she went to the market to buy some mangoes. And she brought it back home and she said, Prince, here's some mangoes. And she thought, I'll open my eyes to eat the mango. (laughs) And then when I didn't, she realized that it it was serious. It was real. So the next day I was taken back to the meeting, blinded, still blind, can't, can't see. But like I said, no fear, no, you know, didn't even realize that one day had gone by so fast. And I was again back in the service. And in that service, once again, the presence of God was so real. And as the preacher laid his hands on me as, as he prayed for all the others, immediately my eyes sight came back. That's why I can see. (laughs) And so it was a tremendous experience of being saved and baptized and receiving that call. Follow me closely now. I began to think that I was a special kid. How many of you know pride can easily slip in? Spiritual pride. And I thought, I, had, I will never backslide. How can you backslide? You had a vision of Jesus. <laughs> so as I grew up and became an older teenager, I started mixing up with friends that, were, that don't go to church. And pretty soon I was enjoying their company more than going to church. I was enjoying the fellowship they had. I was singing the songs they sang. And and at that time, Elvis Presley was very popular. (laughs) So I combed my hair like him. I I began to wear green pipe pants, if if you know the the, the age at that time. I thought thought the world had things for me. They had better things to offer. And I remember... My parents reminding me, God called you, you know. And you know what I said? I said, no, I don't think so. I, I don't think so. I, I, I don't think that's what I want to be. Now let me say this, church. Listen very carefully. You cannot live on experiences. You cannot depend on experiences. You can't. That's why when the disciples asked Jesus to teach them to pray, he said this, our Father and so on and so forth. Then he said, give us this day, come on. Not experiences. Give us this day what? You need to have a fresh relationship with God 
You need to have the word of God to keep you, to hold you, to enrich you. You can't live on experiences. Then as I got older, we had a family friend that used to come by and a minister, but a very, from a very different denomination. They were known as Pentecostal, Salon Pentecostals. They were all white. They were very, very strict in their, in their doctrine. But he was a family friend. And every time he would pass by on his way to the next town, he would always stop at my home. And so he came by and stopped, and one day he was just talking to my mom in the kitchen. He said, you know, I'm on my way to a revival meeting in the next town, and, you know, I'm not a very young person, and he had problems walking. And he said, you think Prince will accompany me? And I was in the next room. I, I heard him talk to my mom, and, and he said, do, do you think Prince will accompany me? And my mother said, well, you, you can talk to him and see. And immediately, as I heard that in the next room, I said, if he asks me, I'm going to say no. <laughs> so I was all prepared, all prepared. So sitting at the table, dinner table, as we were talking, he says, you know, I'm going to this meeting. And he was saying how wonderful and so on and so forth. And he says, Prince, would you, would you come with me? I, I, I need somebody to help me along. And in those days, they took public transport buses. I have a, I have a hard time, you know, getting up the steps of the bus. Will you, will you come with me? And I looked at him and somehow my heart just went out for that old man. And I said, okay, I will go with you. But listen, now, there's a condition here. I said, I'll take you there and then I'll take the next bus back. He says, fine, as long as I have somebody to follow me. So I agreed to go. Guess what happened? I got over there, and the bus that was supposed to return, the bus that was going to be there, and I was going to take the, the return bus, that bus left because it was late arriving. So I missed the returning bus, and I had to stay one night, and oh, I was so angry. Because that means I had to go to church with him that night. <laughs> how many of you know that God loves us enough, he knows how to make ways to help us. He is searching. He is looking for people. And that night in that service, as I was seated in that service, I didn't sit in the front. I sat way at the back. Now, he wanted me to sit in front with him because being a preacher, you know, they normally sit in front, just like Bishop Deck is right in the front seat. <laughs> I said, where are the back there? And when the preacher got up to preach, he began to give a prophetic word. And when he gave that prophetic word, it looked like there was nobody in that meeting except me. <laughs> and God was simply saying through him that he is a forgiving God. That he was a God who had sent his son and, and his son loves us and has given his life on the cross and has shed his blood. And you can come, you can return. He will receive you. 
And you know what? I refused to listen. I got up and I went back to my room. Service was over. The old man came back to the room. I took a shower. I tried to sleep that night. I was tossing back and forth. He tapped me on the shoulder. He says, Prince, I know you're not sleeping. God spoke to you. And you know, the minute he said that, I began to weep and cry and cry. And I realized the love of God. The love of God. The mercy of God. The grace of God. And right there, I asked God to forgive me and cleanse me and wash me. I said, God, I'm willing to do your will. (laughs) I'm willing to serve you, Lord. Not my will, but thine be done. Then I went back home to my own home church. I told my pastor what had happened and how God had spoken to me in that service and the prophetic word. And I cried and I asked God to forgive me. And I said, you know, pastor, I want to apply to go to Bible school. And you know what he told me? He says, Prince, you will never make it. Look at your hair. Look at your pants. Look at the friends that you're. He says, you, you stay in this church for one more year and make those changes. And I will consider recommending you to the Bible college. I said, Pastor, it's fine. I understand. And I, I knew he wasn't doing out of any other reason than the care and the concern. I understood it. But I said, Pastor, Never mind, if you don't want to sign my application form for the Bible school, I'm going to send it in anyways. And I did. And when the, when the school received my application, they said that year they had more students than in any other year. And there's absolutely no place. You've got to stay. Maybe if you want to come, come next year. And I called him, I called the principal to find out because it was a very short time to know. And as he was speaking to me, he realized the sadness in my voice. And I had spoken to him before in other meetings and he kind of knew me before I even made my application and what God had had done for me. And he, he sensed that I was sad and disappointed. And then he said this, he said, listen, if any student does not make it in the last moment, I'll call you. Guess what happened? (laughs) One didn't make it. One didn't. And so I went to Bible school. It was challenging. But you know, God knows how to make way when there seems to be no way. And then when I was in Bible school and almost in my completing my third year of school before we graduate, I used to go back to my home church. And my the pastor that I was pastoring me while I was there, had left, and he was a Singaporean. He had gone back to 
Singapore, and there was another pastor. Then I graduated. I used to go back, help my home church, and then I graduated. Took, pioneered a church after my graduation. Amazingly, after four years of pioneering a church together with my wife, we graduated from Bible school, another interesting story there. And a missionary in Singapore said to me, I have to go on furlough. Why don't you come and take my church for one year? And after that one year, you can go back and take back your church if you want. And I said, wow, what, a, what an opportunity to go to a, another church that's bigger than the one I was, get some experience and so on and so forth. And I said, sure, I'll come for one year. And when I took that church in Singapore for one year, guess who was the pianist of that church? The pastor that was in Taiping. Now he's the pianist and I'm the pastor. And one day he came to me and he said, you know what? I found a nice girl and I want to get married. Will you marry us? Guess what I said? Wait one more year. <laughs> no, 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 I didn't. I, I knew you were going to say that. And, and you like me to say that. No, I didn't. <laughs> no, I didn't. I didn't do that. I didn't do that. I, I, was, I was glad to marry them. Now listen, please don't misunderstand. I understood why he, he did that, and he had very good reason. We, we are good friends, good friends, and, I'm, and became great partners in the ministry. But this, just to show you, God is searching, God is looking, and he's looking for somebody who is willing. He will do everything he can to help you. But you've got to be willing. His method is people. He's after you. So don't say, oh, you know, God, please pick me. Please use me. No, he will use you if you will surrender your life to him. If you will give yourself to him and say, God, here am I, Lord, send me. He will use you. His method is people. You don't have to wait till you get a vision. You don't have to see Jesus like I saw. That not, that's not the norm. That's an exceptional. Don't make the exceptional the norm. Not everybody had a burning bush. <laughs> Is that right? Not everybody. Not everybody had a struggle with an angel and had a twisted... Uh, um, a tie, yes, sir. a leg. Not everybody. Those are exceptional. Don't make the exceptional as so though they've got to be your experience. Don't do that. So if you're not seeing visions and, and you're not fighting with angels or, and this or that or the other, say, God, your method is people. You are searching. There's a gap in the wall. 
Here my Lord. Sent me. Sent me God. Now when will he use us? If we know that he uses you and me. And those who are willing. When will he use us? There's a couple of situations that I see in the Bible. As to when God will use us. The first one is this. When you say. When he calls you to do something. And you say to him. God. It's not enough. Tell your neighbor it's not enough. enough. Tell your neighbor it's not enough. enough. When you say, God, you want me to do this. You want me to, you you want me to get in, but it's not enough. I don't have enough qualification. I don't have enough finances. I don't have enough this. You, you, the list is long. Lord, I don't have enough. How do you expect me to do it? How do you expect me to be faithful? I don't have enough. How many of you know when you say you don't have enough, that's where God shows up. That's when he shows up. You want God to show up. You want to see that miracle. Then you've got to be in a place of a need. Jesus was out there feeding, and he said to his disciples, let's feed the multitude. 5,000. And what did the disciples come and say to Jesus? We're not enough. How many are speaking that kind of a language? It's not enough. I'm not getting enough this. I'm not getting enough. It's not enough. And don't expect miracles to happen. Listen, when it is not enough, it shows up. You can choose to be a Philip or an Andrew. An optimistic or a pessimist. It's a choice you make. Say, God, it's not enough. But what I have, I put it in your hands. And then what does he do? He takes it, blesses it, and puts it back in your hand. (laughs) Hallelujah. When does God does show up or does begin his work is when you say it's not enough. You remember the woman in Zarephath? And the prophet said to her, thus says the Lord, go make me this and and the Lord will multiply. The Lord will take care of you. And what did she say? Like many of us say, I have a little, a little this, a little that. Are you still talking about your littles? And how do you expect God to to show up when all you can see and all you can talk and all you can say is the little that you have? And the prophet said to her, Thus says the Lord, give it to me first. You know, I I admire the, the courage and the And how brave it is for a man of God to say, give me first. You know, when I first read it, I said, what a cruel guy this guy is. How can he be a man of God and take away from the widow and her son the food and he eats first? You know, the natural man understands not the things of God. The natural mind cannot understand. 
If you want to see God showing up, you've got to say, God, I may not understand, but is that what you said? If that's what you said, God, my business is obey. Trust and obey. My responsibility, God, is to simply obey you and trust you. And oh, I can, I can spend a whole lot of time sharing with you the times when we had to trust God. I remember standing before my executive brethren. I'm from the Assemblies of God background. You take credentials, you so on and so forth. And I, I stood before them and, I, and they asked me, now that you have graduated, what are you going to do? I said, I like to pastor a church. And so I said to them, is there a church that I can pastor? You know what they said? We don't have any. I said, what? Three years in Bible school, slugged it out there. And now I've got a wife and you, you tell me there's no church for me. So I said, well, then what do you suggest? And then they, they said to me, go pioneer one. So I said, all right, how much will you give me? Well, you got to eat, you got to rent, you got things. And you know what they said? Who called you? <laughs> Who called you? Oh, I was very quick. I said, God called me. Then God will pay you. God will take care of you. How many of you know it's hard to take it then? You may be standing now, but when that happens to you where I was, you won't be standing. You'll be sitting. Sit down. <laughs> yeah, it was tough. But how many of you know, that's when God shows up. When you say you don't have, when you say it can't be done, God shows up. When will God do his work? When you come to a place and you say this, I don't have enough. Don't be afraid. If you're a place that has plenty, thank God for it. And you know what? It's amazing. It's amazing. Every year I was receiving a check, I didn't know who it was coming from. I didn't know who. Without fail, I would go to my mailbox and I would find that check there. And sometimes I wondered, I would pray, I would say, God, will that check be there? And it was there. For all the four years that we pioneered the work. And it was way late after that I found out who it was. It was a man we didn't even know who lived in Singapore. And he was faithfully sending it to me. In fact, I asked him after many, many years had passed by, I said to him, what made you send that check? He says, God. God shows up when you say you don't have enough. He will show up. How many remember the situation? You may be seated. How many remember the situation where God called Gideon and told Gideon to go fight with the Mennonites? And he gathered about 10,000 soldiers together that would go. And then God reduced it to how many? 
And Gideon said what? We don't have enough. <laughs> How many of you know God was only preparing the situation for him to show up? With 300 men. Everybody knew, Gideon, you're not going to win that battle. It has to take something other than you. Who is it? God shows up. Come on, say that. God shows up. God wants to show up in your ministry. God wants to show up in your life. God wants to show up in your family. God wants to show up in the things that he has called you to do. Allow him to. It's not a hindrance. It's not a hindrance. Oh, I, <laughs> there are so many biblical, beautiful biblical illustrations. Look at Samson. Look at David. Samson with a jaw of an ass. 1,000 Philistines. Just the jaw of a donkey. Yeah? Who showed up? Who showed up when David stood there with a sling and a stone? <laughs> God showed up. What did the king say? Ridiculous. God shows up. Are you in a ridiculous situation? He also shows up. The first one is when there's not enough. The second one is when you say it can't be done now, which is Gideon and so on and so forth. The third one is when you say, God, you're late. You're late, God. How many of you know God is always on time? But you know, our time and his time doesn't synchronize. <laughs> he's, he's late for your time, but he's not late on his time. You say, God, you should have shown up earlier. Look what has happened. Lazarus is already dead for how many days? Four days. Four days. You're late, God. Hang in there. It is when you think it is late, he shows up. Amen. When you think he's late, he shows up. He is never late. He is always on time, no matter what. And sometimes I say to myself, God, why do you make it so hard? Yeah? When I think it's late and it's not late for you, but look what I go through. Why do you make it so hard? God, five loaves, two fishes, and you ask me that I should, we should feed this group of people. Why do you make it so hard? How many of you know there's a biblical answer for that? Are you ready? Yes. Turn with me. To Isaiah 42, verse 8. 
Isaiah 42, verse 8. I am the Lord. That is my name. I will not give my glory to anyone else, nor share my praise with carved idols. Why, does, why, why is it? Because he doesn't want anybody else to get the glory. When it is said and done, who should be glorified? When it can be done, when it is possible, God doesn't get the glory. When you can do it and you're intelligent enough and you have the ability to do it, you don't need God. You are God. But when you know you don't have, and you know it is the will of God, then he shows up. And he gets the glory. Listen to another portion of scripture. Ephesians, even in our own salvation. Listen to Ephesians chapter, four, chapter 2. Look at verse 8 through 10 with me as I read it for you. God saved you. Now I'm reading from the New Language Translation, uh, NLT Translation. In case you're wondering what version that I'm using. I'm using the N NLT version translation. Ephesians 2 verse 8 and 10. God saved you by his grace. When you believed, and you can't take credit for this. It is what? The gift of God. Salvation is not a reward for the good things we have done. So none of us can boast about it. For we are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus. So we can do the good things he has, he has planned for us. Hallelujah. Even your own salvation. It's not because you have enough. It's not because you can do it. It's not because you are, you are righteous enough. No. God's gift is his salvation to you. He has done it all. It simply takes you to come and say, God, I can never save myself. There's no righteousness in me at all that, will, that, that you will accept. My righteousness are filthy rags. Come to him that way. And I really sense God is speaking to a number of you. A number of you. Look at Romans 3.27 with me. I'm closing already. Numbers, uh, Romans 3.27. Can we boast then that we have done anything to be accepted by God? Question mark. It's a question mark. Can we boast then that we have done anything to be accepted by God? Paul says to the Romans, no. Because our acquittal is not based on obeying the law. It is based on, it is based on, it is based on, it's based on, and God has given to every man a measure of faith. And the Bible tells us that if you have a faith as small as a mustard seed, you know how small a mustard seed is? When you try to bring it close to to really see, because it's so small, the breath of, from your nose will 
cause that mustard seed to fly off your hand. That's how little. That's how small. That's how weighty it is. If you have faith as small as a mustard seed, and God has given you that faith. You say, oh, but pastor, you know, I, I, I'm not spiritual enough to know that God will show up. I'm not that. No, you don't have to be. You don't have to be. All you have to do is to say, God, you have given me a measure of faith. And with that faith, Lord, I walk. I do. I say. I live. And God is going to show up. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. He's going to show up in your life. Amen. He's going to show up in your life. He wants to. He's looking for people that he can show up. Amen. Will you be the one? Amen. In another portion of scripture, the Bible says, be anxious for. Be anxious for. Be anxious for. But prayer and supplication. Make your request known. Hallelujah. Any, any anxious person here? Oh, I'm so anxious. I can't even sleep. I don't know what will happen. But with prayer and supplication and faith in a great God. If you are here this afternoon or this morning as I bring this to a close, I'd like to pray with you. And there must be, if there is something very specific, don't just stand because you want prayer. Stand because there is a specific situation. And you say, God, please show up. I'm going to believe you, God. And if you're doubting about your calling and where God has placed you and you're doubting about the will and the purpose of God, would you say, God, you're looking, you're searching. Your method is people, me. I'm here, God. I want to settle that once and for all. God, there is a situation right now. In the natural, it's not enough. In the natural, it can't be done. In the natural, it looks like it's too late for anything to happen. But God, glorify your name. Glorify your name. And if there is that particular situation, would you stand right where you are? Don't, not everybody stand now. If you be very specific, don't stand just because you want the prayer. Stand because there is a specific need, a very specific need. A very specific need that you're trusting God, you're believing God for. Handarabakushaya. Speak in that tongue as you stand. Let the Holy Spirit flow through you. Speak in that new language. Come on, speak in that new language. Holy Spirit, move. Come on, speak in that new language. Let your own ears hear the voice 
Come on, speak in that new language. Speak in that new language. There's an anointing that comes as you begin to let the Holy Spirit fill you. Blessed be the name of the Lord. You are mighty, you are mighty, you are mighty, you are mighty. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. You are mighty, O Lord, you are mighty, O Lord. Lord, you see these that are standing to their feet, Father. Father, Father, I preached your word, I gave your word. I shared with them, Lord, what you played and put on my heart. And in the name of Jesus Christ, loose your people today, Father. That they will walk away, Father, knowing without a shadow of doubt you've called them. Your hand is upon them. They're not too late, Lord. It is not a enough, not enough situation, Lord. You are able, Father that in that situation they say it's not enough but they are looking to you because you are the source the provider hallelujah hallelujah and in the name of Jesus in the name of Jesus I ask oh Lord as you said ask and it shall be given ask in your name and in Jesus name I ask right now honor the faith of your people and glorify your name. Honor the faith of your people, Father. And glorify your name. I give you thanks for the miracles. I give you thanks for the deliverance. For the healing. For the assurance and the confidence. That comes from above. That will not shake us or move us. May the blessings of God. The grace of God. Rest upon each and every one. Father, I thank you for Bishop Degg and the ministry that he has that is impacting and transforming not only the people here in Ghana, but all over the world. You have also helped him, Father, show things that are tangible, that we can see. Works of faith that you have honored. I pray your hand to rest upon him, protect him. Give him people, Lord, that will rally behind him, loyal, committed, dedicated people that would stand with him, Lord. Because we have a real enemy, and he is. He will do whatever he can. But God, keep your servant. Bishop Dak, Lord, protect him and continue to give him the wisdom, the leading, and the guidance he needs as he moves from one level of faith, of obedience, to the next. That he will also say, Lord, that you are the God that will show up when it is not enough. You're the God that will show up, Lord, when, he, when the situation looks like it can't be done. When it seems like it's been too late that you will show up in his ministry, in his life, 
both as a minister of God, as a father. Bless his home and his family, Father. I pray and ask the blessings of God to so rest upon him and his family and each one of us as we continue today, tomorrow. I understand will be the concluding day. May the presence and the anointing of God continue to flow in Jesus' wonderful name. In Jesus' wonderful name. Amen. 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 Give the Lord a hand, won't you? Wow, why don't you put your hands together for the Lord? Wow. Wow. What a way. Hallelujah. Please be seated. Thank you so much, Pastor Gnaratnam. What a blessing to receive such quality of a message. Thank you. Thank you, sir. Thank you. Please be seated. Wonderful. Are we blessed? Yeah. We're praying. When you're praying, I pinch Bishop Adi to get her because he's in debt. He owes a lot of people. For the church building that he's building, he's in a lot of debt. So, but God will show up for you, brother. <laughs> Hallelujah. But God is a gracious God. Just a quick announcement. Um, glory to God. We are, we are going to take a short break for breakfast, I believe. Don't worry about the time. It's our own time. Yes. We are blessed. Now, during that time, we are going to inaugurate our, the first golf course in the Kwape Mountains. Beautiful. So, sit down for a moment. You know, these are all mighty works. Um, Ghana doesn't have many golf courses. We have one at Achimota, which was built about almost 100 years ago by the white man, then celebrity golf course at um, Sakumono, and then Tema golf course. So um, there are some other golf course, Kumasi, Takradi, and then some of the mining towns. Yes. So here in the mountains, we are inaugurating an opening, grand opening of the first golf course in the mountains of the Ekwapen Hills. Beautiful. And uh, yes, if I say we shall build up the old wastes. So um, to do that,
uh, a, select, a select number. You see, it would have just been a bush. You can see some of our reserves, forest reserves. They are just kept as forest reserves. But that's how it, this whole place was a forest. High trees. Yeah. So to inaugurate the uh, uh, golf course, we have selected some of our international players from different countries. All pastors, Pastor Daniel Kuka from uh, England. Pastor Nyamiche from England. Dr. Nosh from America. And then Bishop Eddie Adi from Ghana. It's an international selection. Have I mentioned all the players? Yeah, the main ones. The main ones. Yeah. Yes. Huh? Bishop Richard also going to be part of the inauguration, inaugural. I'm just going to watch from my balcony. Because the higher levels are playing. But stretch out your hand towards the... Father, we thank you for this golf course. We thank you that it's a mighty work. And we thank you that it is a wonder that you have done. And we don't take it lightly. We don't, we don't take it for granted. We believe that it is a blessing that you allow us to do this. We give you thanks. And we give you praise. And we dedicate it to you. Let good things happen there. Blessings come to your people Amen. through this golf course. Let it be a place of peace Amen. and training and blessing Amen. for many. In Jesus' name, Amen. 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 Hallelujah. God bless you. So, you know, I just felt in my heart that I don't want to just let it go by as an insignificant thing because it's, it's a mighty work and it's a miracle. Yes. So, glory be to God. So, during the breakfast break, these four professionals, I believe, Pastor Nyamich, have I chosen the right person? Is it one of the top, uh, the UK players? Is it not one of the top UK players? Or, I'm, I'm, I'm not, it's not a top player. He's a player. <laughs> I hear you are not a top player. So, then, it will be three. Bishop, uh, United States, UK, and Ghana. So, you have been dropped. So, it's just three people. Three 